0: hello everyone welcome back to another episode of film with cj my name is cj my pronouns are they them as always um i'm really excited for this episode um because i wanted to review a korean film and i feel like you know over these past maybe six or seven years we've really seen a rise in popularity in the u.s for korean films um and i think that The younger generation or my generation, Gen Z, I don't even want to admit that I'm Gen Z, but I'm the very top half of Gen Z 1997, um, is pretty widely into anime and I think that we as a generation are far more open to watching things with subtitles, listening to, um, movies and music in other languages as opposed to older generations sorry not sorry Uh, and so I think we have always had a more wide uh, view of like what we watch um, and appreciate and I love that about us go west Um, and so I think you know with films like Parasite and um, I can't remember I think Okja was mostly also part uh, partly in Korean um by the same director love that man um but i think we're we're just entering the era where we're like yeah seeing all the english you know stories seeing all the white english stories um seeing all the white american stories um let's look at something else let's appreciate something else let's be a part of something else and i love that for us Um, this movie, The Handmaiden, came out in 2016, so let's get into it. I took notes on this film again, and I'm gonna try to take notes on some of the more deeper movies that I watch and review, um, just because I feel like it helps me organize my thoughts because lately I've been coming on here and just, like, shooting shit, which is fine because it's my podcast, but also I just feel like I need to have a little bit more direction uh <laughs> when i'm when i'm doing these episodes so the handmaiden came out in 2016 korean drama but it is a lesbian korean thriller slash drama um it's told from various perspectives and it follows a girl who was born a korean thief like very poor um who partners with a count um like a count dracula like i don't even know what a f- fucking count is but what the fuck is that why do we have that term she partners with a count um who knows of a japanese woman who is in line to get a huge inheritance and she's single um and the count basically wants to marry her for her money um but he wants to partner with um this korean girl who's you know been born and raised a thief um, to pose as her handmaiden so he can have like you know an aid on the inside scoop on the the Japanese woman and he can come in and super off her feet with the handmaiden's help basically. If you have listened to my previous episode on Portrait of a lady on Fire, you know that I was not a particular fan of that movie just because I felt like it was a very surface level and very white um exploration of what lesbianism is and while I understand it was you know back in the day like super super back in the day um I don't feel like that movie did anything particularly well in terms of the story I think cinema cinema the cinematography and um the way the film was shot was beautiful but in terms of story and like uh overall deepness um I didn't it didn't do too much for me except for the end um but I'm not into watching you know almost two hours of movie just to have a good like just to only watch the end like just for the just for the only good part to be the end like I'm not into that like the movie needs to be good um in this movie I feel like the exploration of lesbianism was um kind of a lot more deep i mean the story is you know not as mundane as portrait of a lady on fire um and i felt like there was you know a little bit more focus put on the the service part it's a lot of like tenderness um getting to know each other's backstory and like how they how they relate to that a lot of it has to do with um Japanese and, you know, Korean societal norms and um, how women are viewed and perceived in society um, and how a lot of women that come from traditional Asian backgrounds have like trauma that they can relate to each other on, like trauma bonding almost, which is like not a good thing, but it's also like a lot of, a lot of what Asian women face and have in common unfortunately um and the genuine concern aspect because they know that um no man no yeah no man will be able to relate to them on a level that they can relate with other women this film is an erotica though like an erotic thriller slash drama um It does take kind of a dark and very sexual turn at about the halfway point of the movie. So just forewarning, it's not for like particularly casual viewing. It's not for the faint of heart. Um, If you've ever seen Blue is the Warmest Color, it's not anywhere near that explicit Um, because Blue is the Warmest Color was like low-key, very or high-key, very unnecessarily Uh, sexual for very long periods of the movie. Um, It's not on that level uh, but just wanted to give a little warning to anybody who might watch this movie. It's like don't watch it with your parents type deal. One thing that I thought was really interesting about this movie though is that it does kind of hint at the decades and decades and honestly like centuries not centuries, but over a century of conflict and kind of bad blood uh, that exists, and racism, honestly, racism and classism that exists between the Japanese people and the Korean people. And I don't know if a lot of people know this, but um, the Japanese actually were in control of Korea for about 35 years, from 1910 through 1945, Um, I didn't know the exact years on hand, I had to look that up on Wikipedia, but um, the Japanese did have imperial control of Korea for, you know, decades, and I think, in my personal opinion, that is the era that stemmed a lot of the, um, poor relations in between, like, between the Japanese people and the Korean people. I'm just gonna say this out the gate, I, uh, half of my family does have Japanese roots so I'm not just coming on here saying you know shit because like I hate Japanese people that's not what I'm saying um I am very critical of the Japanese people though because um the culture has caused me a lot of trauma um and um I I love my culture though I love my culture but it's because I love my culture that I'm very critical of it um so out the gate i'm just gonna say japanese people have a long history of being very racist um i know koreans are racist too um honestly everywhere there's not a place in the world that's not anti-black however um japanese people are they, i mean they have they have a long long history of being racist to many many ethnic groups um including, you know, Koreans. Um, And a lot of it has to do with that imperial period that I was talking about where they occupied Korea. Um, And they forced hundreds of thousands of soldiers to fight in the Japanese army, Korean soldiers to fight in the Japanese army during World War II. And they also forced... Many, many, many children, ages twelve to seventeen, predominantly, um, to be comfort women, in quotes, quote, unquote, comfort women, women, in quotes, because how is a twelve-year-old considered a woman? Uh, to to serve the Japanese soldiers basically as sex slaves, um, and the Japanese country slash government never acknowledged it um they never apologized until 2015 publicly they made a um kind of a declaration to formally apologize to the korean nation and to these women um for basically what they experienced for the whole for the whole thing um basically and pledged to give i think it was like 8.5 million dollars um, to any of the surviving women, um, not $8.5, eight, not $8.5 million each, but in all. Um, so, you know, whether or not that's genuine, that was just what happened. Um, and I, that is part of the reason why there's a history of, you know, Japanese people and Korean people not liking each other. Um, and I feel like there's definitely a notion that Korean people believe that the Japanese people aren't remorseful for what happened, which, I mean, that's not an unreasonable thing to believe, Um, and a lot of Japanese, Japanese people are just like, you know, let it go, we don't need to keep apologizing for things that happened decades and decades ago, which, you know, also as a black person, We know that just because something happened um, a long time ago doesn't mean you still don't feel the effects today. Um, So I think this movie touched on it a little bit. There's a lot of um, feeling from the Japanese characters in this movie that Korean people are below them, um, that they're darker skin, that they're not as pretty, that they don't have good bone structure, that they're not smart... It's a lot, and I think I think one of the most interesting slash sad things about imperialism is when you when you indoctrinate a people for so long and you force a certain set of ideals on them and reward those that fit into those ideals um, for generations after generations, you, you will, and this is by design, you will, um, essentially birth, uh, you know, a generation of people or some people who end up wanting to be that, um, that, that quote-unquote higher ethnic group like for example this movie there is a a korean-born person who in the end reveals that he you know wants to be a japanese man he wants to be accepted by the japanese people he wants to live in japan he you know um you know bends over backwards to try and speak japanese perfectly that type of thing um and we see that a lot actually uh i believe in america with black people trying to elevate not i don't need, elevate is not the right word but change themselves to be accepted in white spaces um to the extreme and they believe that being accepted by white people is like the old, like the epitome of value um in in the society, which, you know, I'm not like personally. I don't think it is, but there are you know s- societal constructs in place that w- would suggest otherwise, um, and it's fucking sad. That's really fucking sad. I do want to say though, this movie has a happy ending, and I feel like if you've ever watched any other sapphic films or woman loving women films. They either are directed like they're 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 still from um, like a male perspective, or they have just like a terrible terrible fucking ending. Um, that is sad as fuck. So I just want to say, if you're gonna watch this movie, it does it has a good ending. It has a happy ending, um, which is unfucking heard of. Alright, review time, y'all. We got uh, almost two and a half hour runtime, which I did not realize. Uh, so it's on the longer side. We've got 8.1 out of 10 on IMDb, 96% on Rotten Tomatoes, 84% on Metacritic, and 4.7 out of 5 stars on Google Reviews. Someone said, I loved this film. I found myself wishing I could speak Japanese so that I could understand everything spoken without having to read through the subtitles because it was truly a a visual feast. Whether you speak Japanese or not, I highly recommend this film and it is well worth the effort of reading through the subtitles. As a lesbian, I I rarely come across convincing intimate scenes between women that are authentic and filled with genuine passion. This film had it all. I rarely watch anything twice and yet I found myself longing to watch this film again and so I will. It was simply beautiful and finely crafted. Someone else said wow. I'm a Jungian psychotherapist and noticed long ago that women writers slash directors seem to be able to inhabit the male psyche with ease while it's incredibly rare to find a male writer slash director who can inhabit the female psyche with believable ease. Park Chan-wook, one of those rare exceptions. The Handmaiden is an erotic roller coaster that's constantly changing perspectives. You get to see the action through all of the main characters' eyes. Eroticism flavors the entire film, and the explicit sexual scenes are lush, believable, and, and, and. The Handmaiden is yet another one of Park Chan-wook's masterpieces. It took me several hours to recover. A+. This last person said, There is art and there is vulgarity. If you don't really feel what the characters feel, you're bound to feel it is vulgar. For me, it wasn't vulgar. People have been whining about how they quote-unquote guessed the twists and there was nothing revolutionary about them. But the twists aren't the main talking point of the movie, so basically they misunderstood what the audience is supposed to take away from the film itself. It is a gorgeous-looking film for one. The acting is so, so real that you will shift awkwardly at times. In the details, I'd love to rewatch it to notice all of them. They are so minute splendidly shot definitely not a fast movie but if you're hooked then time will fly if you're expecting pure mystery it's not it if you're expecting fun it also has many funny moments but it is not a comedy film i'd say it is a film about love but not a love story with occasional thrills and twists it is suspenseful and as a dialogue from the film says it's all about the journey if you feel you've accomplished something by guessing one random aspect of the film it doesn't matter because it isn't a whodunit Obviously, I agree with what everyone is saying. I do think this is a beautifully told movie. um, And I know that, you know, like there are plot twists in this movie. It's probably not the, you know, biggest plot twists that we've ever seen in cinematic history. But I think it just speaks to, you know, um, the strength of their love in the movie and what they're willing to do for the people that they love and cherish and I think that's really fucking nice and do you know how fucking rare it is to see an LGBTQ movie in Asia in Asia huh like we're like we in the US are barely scratching the surface on that here and Asia is so much more conservative in that realm than we are here in the U.S. And we are just scratching the surface here. So for a movie of this caliber to come out of Korea is astounding. Astounding. And I feel like we might not get a movie like this with as well told of a story um that's not pornographic and offensive um, for a long time. So I cherish and cherish this movie. I'm so glad I watched it. I've never heard of it anywhere until literally the other day. Like, I'm pretty sure I saw something on Twitter that was talking about this movie. And I'd never heard anyone discuss it before. And I just so happened to find it on Amazon Prime Video um, to watch for free. Like, I didn't rent it for anything. It's just included with the, um, Prime subscription. Um, so if you've had, so if you have Amazon Prime Video, go watch it. Um, it's, it's a fucking delight. It's a fucking delight. I think my only note would be, um, that it's a slow burn. It's a slow, it's a slow burn, but I liked that. I liked that, but I could you know, at times, like, I I watched this in two sittings, um, because the beginning is kind of slow, but they have to set it up, so I appreciate that, um, but it's not, like, the most, um, eventful movie, um, in the, in the beginning, at least, in the second half, it it definitely picks up, but in the beginning, they gotta set that shit up, you know what I mean? So, I give it a 9 out of 10, it's absolutely amazing movie, especially for the sapphics, watch it, Watch it. Okay. Um, I am going to review an A24 movie for the next episode. Um, I've tweeted about it, so if you follow me on Twitter, you'll know what movie I'm going to review for next Thursday. I'm excited. I'm obsessed with A24, i already know if i watch this and it's bad i'm gonna be so fucking depressed i'm gonna be so fucking depressed but it's with two actors that i've seen in other movies who have historically been really good and i'm hoping that 824 does not lead me astray um so i'll see all my film heads next thursday